This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. On Wednesday, long-term care Minister Rod Phillips announced a large cash injection to fix the sector, which was most recently devastated by the COVID-19 pandemic. The initial payout of $270 million comes with a promise to hire 4,000 more nurses and PSWs by the end of this coming March and increase the hours of daily care for each resident to three by this April, with the ultimate goal of four hours of daily care by 2024-25. The day after the announcement, Rod Phillips joined Libby for a conversation. You know, Libby, it's a historic amount of money, $4.9 billion, but $270 million this year to put 4,000 more frontline staff into our homes. Uh, The actual notices of the allocation, the money, will go out this week to the homes, not just for this year, but for each of the successive three years, because one of the concerns that the homes raised was having clarity about funding in the future, because we want them to be able to make plans, because at the end of the day, we're going to bring 27,000 new staff into the system, and we need to make sure that's done in an organized way. We will, of course, make sure that that money is spent on frontline employees by making sure that they're audited. And, and that is that is a process that the ministry has done in the past, so that these expenditures are audited against the actual expenditures to make sure it's PSWs, registered practical nurses, or registered nurses. We've also added uh, $43 million for additional support in the area of uh, what we call allied professions, but normal people would say those are people like dietitians, physiotherapists, and social workers. And similarly, uh, those expenditures uh, will, be, will be checked you know, to make sure that the money is being spent where it needs to be spent on the front line. I think everyone agrees that this is not something that happened overnight, but it did happen on your watch. So how do you personally process the fact that we had the worst record for death in nursing homes in every Western country? Well, Lydia, is, uh, as you said, the, the, the real tragedy uh, that happened uh, as a result of, of the pandemic is something that I think everybody Everybody who looked at it couldn't couldn't help but see and be affected by. Um, certainly, the long-term care commission's report. Uh, when uh, when I read that in, in detail, and of course, most people don't have a chance to do that. But it pointed, as you said, to the success of government's failures, but also the challenges that we face. And that's why in my first you know my first opportunity when I was uh, my first public event as minister, I stood up and I said, you know, this is something that, that was wrong. It shouldn't have happened. I, I apologized for it, and I said, now we got to move forward. Um, I hear about it in talking to family members, uh, particularly, and uh, and it's quite moving. And I know you've had these conversations as well from from people who, you know, both both had uh, lost moms and dads and family members, but but also uh, who those family members who who didn't pass away but were affected by the long periods of isolation. And that's one of the reasons that uh, quite early on I moved to make sure that not just essential caregivers but family members could get back into the homes. Obviously, we have to protect people, but part of it is protecting their mental health and their quality of life. So 
you know, this is something that I think affected a lot of us. I'm trying to, you know, take the the energy from that and, and some of its anger and, and some of its optimism on this changes that we're making. As you said, a lot of the stakeholders across the spectrum, including, you know, the the, the trade unions who, who, who represent the frontline staff and the operators and the family councils are, are cautiously optimistic, I'll call that, about, about getting this fixed and trying to take that energy and, and turn that into the kind of change that we need to see. But people who've lost loved ones, I mean, they blame your government, many of them. And, and I can understand that, and I've spoken to many of them. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, every, every single death and every unnecessary death is a, is a tragedy. So, so I understand their, uh, their view, and, uh, and I listen to them. Um, and, uh, and I've, you know, it's, again, I've been very pleasantly, I don't want to say surprised, um, because people in this province are really quite wonderful. But people have, have really been shown a lot of goodwill. Uh, from my perspective, in terms of the things we need to do, when they see investments like the one that we're making yesterday, um, they see that as a good first step. Uh, some people are cautious in their enthusiasm, and I understand why after decades of not getting things done. Um, but um, but they see progress, and and you know we are going to do our very best to make sure that we make the changes to fix long term care. Ontario Long-Term Care Minister Rod Phillips in conversation with Libby Zneimer. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Following the minister's conversation, Fight Back gathered a panel of long-term care stakeholders to react to Rod Phillips' promises and commitments. Here are Donna Duncan, CEO of the Ontario Long-Term Care Association, Charlene Stewart, president of SEIU Healthcare, and Samantha Peck, executive director of Family Councils Ontario. What I'm hearing from the folks that I work with is that they're I think cautiously optimistic around uh, what Minister Phillips has said and supportive of the responsibility he's taken so far, but are really looking to see what actions back up those statements that the minister has said so far. Okay, Charlene Stewart, um, what do you think of it? First of all, I certainly do want to recognize that, you know, what Minister uh, Phillips did is something that we called on Minister Fullerton to do, and uh, we are very thankful that he's done it. Putting, you know, the hours of care into legislation is a good move, although we're still obviously concerned that it's going to be so long to get it implemented. And, you know, of course, we welcome money uh, into the system. It's certainly needed to help solve some of the issues that we've uh, known for quite a while, but have really come to the forefront throughout the last 20 months during the pandemic. We need more full-time work. I mean, all of the announcements about the thousands of workers that they're expecting to be rushing to the front doors to work in the sector, um, we've, we've spoken to those who are still there, to, P, to the PSWs who've worked in the system for 20, 30 years. And they're saying that these uh, predominantly women, young women, are coming into the buildings and lasting maybe three days. Wow. They, they are not staying in the system when they see what the conditions of work are. Of course, uh, the minister said that, that they uh, look at this as a calling, and I believe that. I, I've met thousands, tens of thousands of them. They do come into this profession to care for our elderly, which we should be so grateful for. But once they get in and see the conditions of work and the wages, they are saying, I'm not doing this. All the homes and beds that he's committing to, if you do not have full-time workers to show up and, and care and serve at those seniors, then this is all going to be wasted money. Donna Duncan, why is there so much resistance from operators? Um, there, there isn't resistance. Uh, we want to. And in fact, so many of our members 
really want to work with government to uh, reimagine what care looks like in long-term care and making sure, to Charlene's point, that we're actually staffing our homes with the right skills and competencies to meet the the needs that our residents have today. We have to staff up our homes. Uh, We know that emotion-focused care models require that that continuity of care, that more full-time supports uh, a butterfly model. So we we really do want to work together, including with, with Charlene. And Charlene, I think it's amazing how much we've agreed on things over the last 12 months. Uh, obviously, we, we have our disagreements, but uh, on this, we all agree that uh, this is an historic investment. It's an historic commitment, but to Sam's point, we've got to act. Uh, we have to use the legislation uh, and legislative change as an opportunity to uh, give us the tools to work together to uh, make sure that we're, we're getting to this for hours of care as quickly as possible. But we also have to recognize, as Charlene says, people are leaving the sector. So let's rebuild. Uh, but also, let's act with urgency to get more people into our homes as quickly as possible. That, that, that focus on training. We need to focus on care. We need to make sure that we're, we're doing everything we can to make things better for our, for our residents. And we need to restore trust and confidence. And that's, that's going to come through these investments. It's going to come through us working together in partnership, but it's also going to come in how we talk about long-term care and the words that we use. And uh, I'm, I'm really optimistic. Uh, I think we can do it, uh, but uh, we can't rely on government for everything. It, it really is going to take us working together to uh, hold the government accountable as well as holding our home. Donna Duncan, CEO of the Ontario Long-Term Care Association, Charlene Stewart, president of SEIU Healthcare, and Samantha Peck, executive director of Family Councils Ontario. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break, it's a much happier Thanksgiving than in 2020. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back and happy Thanksgiving. Many Canadians have a big meal today to allow for a restful Thanksgiving Monday. We have so much to be thankful for this year since last year at this time, none of us had the opportunity yet to get vaccinated against COVID-19. And now coast to coast, more than 82% of eligible Canadians are double vaccinated with more than 88% at least partially vaccinated. But there are still issues around safety. Public health experts have been telling us that if everyone at your Thanksgiving gathering is double vaccinated, then it's okay to take off masks indoors, which means most of us will be able to share the feast with others. But what about grandparents getting together with their unvaccinated grandchildren? And should we try to keep more distance even around the table? Libby asked these questions of Dr. Elisa Naiman, a family physician with the Medical Station Clinic in Toronto, and epidemiologist Dr. Timothy Sly, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. It's going to be cautious, Libby. It won't be uh, free and open. Remember that last uh, Halloween when we spoke, we didn't have the Delta variant around, and that one is far more transmissible. So we've got to be proportionately more cautious. 
uh, essentially we're saying if everybody's vaccinated, uh, the youngsters as well, then we can relax in our family bubble, take our mask off and enjoy everything. But if, uh, if you've got unvaccinated people there, particularly kids, and you've got old people or highly vulnerable people, then we've got to take the proper precautions. Uh, Dr. Naiman, what, what are your patients asking you about and what are you telling them? You know, what's actually interesting is that a lot of people haven't inquired about what they're supposed to do. Um, a lot of it was when the kids were going back to school, the grandparents wanted to know what they should do. Nobody, this is the first holiday that nobody has actually asked me what they think they should do. Okay, but I bet you have some ideas on it. <laughs> oh, for, and, and I think a lot of it is because a lot of, a lot of my patients are vaccinated now, so it only becomes an issue as what do you do with the grandchildren who, who can't be vaccinated. And, and what we've been telling everybody is that in that case, always best to have it outside. I don't know what the weather is going to be like this weekend, but if it's going to be nice, I think everybody should try to keep things outside. And if you have elderly people who have complex medical histories getting sick with COVID despite being vaccinated is going to be concerning, then you have to really think twice about who you're going to invite and having your uh, over for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Sly, uh, would you concur with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Nyman is exactly right. Outdoors, we, we now know that that's about the safest place to be. So wrap up warmly, turn on the barbecue if you like, whatever, whether it's Thanksgiving or, or uh, Halloween, whatever it is. Let's do some things outside. But this year, in fact, our temperatures are, are way above what we, we normally are. It's normally a six or seven around this time of year. So let's take advantage of that and uh, celebrate outdoors. I think, frankly, uh, people are a little sick of having to have the meal outdoors anyway in the fall. Um, but uh, I guess that if uh, they're going to be with unvaccinated grandchildren, that is uh, probably the best way to go, right? And then, honestly, it will depend on what your risk tolerance are, what your risk, risk tolerance is to get sick. A lot of people are just honestly fed up. They want to go and return back to their life. And they just say, listen, if I get sick, I'm going to get sick and I'll just deal with it. And I just, I need to go back to normal. Um, Always safest to do it outside. If you're going to do it indoors, you know, you should have good ventilation. You should have the windows open. um, And then you sort of have to think about, is there any type of hybrid that you could come up with that maybe everybody's not sitting around the table and eating, um, I guess it all just depends on what people want to do and how much, how concerned people are about getting sick now. Dr. Sly, what, what would you like to leave us with? Oh, on this? I, I, Ontario has done remarkably well in this wave. If you look at the other provinces, they're shooting upwards exponentially. Ontario is actually flattened off its fourth wave curve just because of vaccination and, and the mitigation that people have done. We, we should pat ourselves on the back, but whatever we do, don't don't relax too much at this point. Uh, we don't want to see that surge going up. Let's keep the thing suppressed. And that means doing all the stuff we've been talking about today. Dr. Naiman, anything you want to add? I just hope people can enjoy the holidays. I think we've been through so much. Um, emotionally, everybody is just tired. And I think if everybody can do it in a safe way, I think everybody should really appreciate that the time that they spend with their family. Um, because in the end, that's all, that's all that's important is to be around people and to really appreciate life and to realize how far and how, how much of a struggle it's been for all of us for so many months.
Dr. Elisa Naiman, family physician with the Medical Station Clinic in Toronto, and epidemiologist Dr. Tim Sly, professor at the School of Occupational and Public Health at Ryerson University. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. Now to the fun part of Thanksgiving, at least if you enjoy cooking and entertaining. Still, though, a lot of us are looking at small gatherings, which means a smaller turkey, which may be harder to find unless you ordered it ahead of time. And what about accommodating family or friends who are vegans and vegetarians? Fight Back welcomed our food gurus, health and wellness expert, author, caterer, and restaurateur, Rose Reisman, and Lucy Waverman, a food columnist and cookbook author. Libby started the conversation by asking Rose and Lucy how they are celebrating Thanksgiving. Everybody's really looking forward to coming because we don't we haven't seen much of each other over the past 18 months, right? Uh, Rose, what about you? What are your plans? Um, I've got the whole group coming for um, Monday brunch, actually. And there's uh, my whole family. There's about 14 of us. Wow. And I do have grandchildren under the age of six, four little grandchildren under the age of six. So they're not vaccinated. But, you know, I, look, at I think that it, that in the end, um, I, I want to enjoy seeing them. And so there's always a risk to living in general, and, and we're, we're taking that risk. Okay, but are you are you going to be outside or you're inside for the whole uh, we're, thing? We're probably going to be, you know, if it's nice out, we'll we'll mingle outside a bit, but we'll ultimately be inside. Okay. Uh, so, first of all, my first thought on this, Lucy, you hit it on the head that it's it's been a while. So, even doing this kind of a feast once a year uh, requires organization and remembering. But but I think some of us, and probably myself included, a little out of practice. Well, I think that's absolutely true. I think that people have been so afraid of being together, and especially inside, that um, we've forgotten how to feed more than our, you know, whoever we live with, um, and lately maybe plus one more couple, right? Um, going, Getting back into the swing of it is really hard. It, in fact, it's daunting when you have to have, um, you know, 14 people and you've been cooking for two. So, <laughs> so yes, really. So, yeah. Lucy, how many are you having? Um, I think there's 12. 12, yeah. What's the best way of doing this? Is it uh, starting by making a list or simplifying the meal? What would you say? Well, I think that simplifying uh, is one answer. I think the other answer is doing what we're doing. We're spreading it amongst three of us. Where I will do the main dishes. Now, in a lot of families today, it isn't just you can have a simple turkey because you've got vegetarians, you've got vegans, you've got, you know, gluten-free, you've got people on all different diets. So it is easier in a way to make one other thing that will satisfy the other members of your family. So it isn't, it isn't just straightforward, you know, um, Brussels sprouts with butter. What about the vegan, you know? Yeah, I find the same thing. There's, you know, I've got a gluten-free, and I, one of my daughters is more vegetarian-based. So I tend to do, you know, I, I like to satisfy as many people as I can. That's that's always been my method of cooking. So I, I do tend to make more, and I do, you know, require a little bit of advance uh, work on it. But um, ultimately, I like everybody to be in, enjoying it as well. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I I think you try, particularly on these big family occasions, to make everybody feel welcome. Right. And Lucy, look, I mean, we can do it easy, easier, right? You know what I mean? Like, well, true. We can yeah. <laughs> but and, you can buy. And, I mean, that's yeah. one thing that has changed exactly. for me over the pandemic is that I buy a lot more things. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I'm the greatest vegan cook. Uh, so what I do is I order something vegan for the vegan at the table. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Yep. And okay. I, I would even go to, you know, my catering company and they just would do such an amazing turkey and I wouldn't have to worry about, you know, either overcooking or not paying attention. I would do that. And I would even buy uh, a nice gravy for the turkey. Sometimes I do a turkey breast if I'm not going to have, you know, that many people or I have more vegetarians based. Lucy, what would you like to leave us with? <laughs> well, don't stress yourself. Do lots ahead of time. And, and there's no reason why you can't ask your family or friends, if that's who you're having, to bring a dish. And Rose? Um, just enjoy the evening. Do what you can do. Don't stress yourself out. Don't be working the entire weekend to do it. Pick the dishes that you know your family likes and just enjoy enjoy being together. Health and wellness expert, author, caterer, and restaurateur Rose Reisman and Lucy Waverman, food columnist and cookbook author. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer brings you comprehensive coverage of the news stories that interest you and your reaction to them on the phones. Here are some of this week's best calls. Barry in North York phoned about repercussions that should be faced for all of the damage done in long-term care during the pandemic. First of all, the people that have violated terribly um, the uh, rules and, uh, and put the long-term residents in terrible danger and at times of death should be punished, especially one in Scarborough, because then that that sets a precedent and it shows people you can't do this big business. You cannot do this and get away with it. Linda in London phoned with an idea on how to keep politicians accountable. I think that, uh, in my opinion, we should start having a report card system for politicians, uh, provincially and federally uh, and municipally, um, and, and start having independent audits of all the promises that they make at the beginning and see how they're doing. Um, just like any other uh, process with an employer-employee relationship, um, I think that's important. And I, I think we, uh, we hear far too much rhetoric, far too much you know, deceitful and lies and, and things like that that we don't want to listen to. We want the facts. Uh, we want to know what they've done so far, uh, what they have yet to do, and uh, if they're on the mark or not. And I think that's good for the politicians, and I think it's especially good for the taxpayers. And now, Fightback's Knockout Call of the Week. 
There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week comes from Brian in Toronto, who phoned about preparing Thanksgiving dinner when Chef Rose Reisman was among our guests. This year, because we're still, some of us are still very limiting our gatherings, instead of necessarily cooking an entire bird, which is a lot of food, is you can cook a piece. You can buy a turkey breast and a turkey right. leg. And then, you know, the, the cook time, the process, I'm going to have myself, my fiance, and maybe our kids, and that's it. And we're going to have six people to sort of cook a whole bird. And you can do the stuffing in a roasting pan. You can do your right. squash and your sweet potatoes. Great. It saves a lot of time and effort. Right. Then you're not eating turkey for 10 days, right? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and, if, and, a, and a half-eaten turkey sits in the fridge, takes up a lot of space. That's so true. That does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi, with technical production by Kelly Robotha. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.